Good morning, everyone. This is Austin Jardine. Welcome to the Vanguard Project. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. For those of you new to the show, my name is Austin Jardine. And uh, honestly, I'm just a dude that loves to learn. I'm uh, pretty much from Nowheresville, Idaho. And I love spending time with folks, understanding who they are, what to do, what they've gone through to get to where they're at. And uh, my hope is to relate to you all in a way with these stories to get you excited to get after something new or continue pushing forward with something you love. Uh, with that being said, I've got Mr. Trent from One's Ready hanging out with me on the phone tonight. So Trent, man, how are you? I'm good, man. Appreciate you bringing me on. Yeah. So I'm super excited. We connected over a mutual friend and uh, I'm pretty excited to hear your story because I've followed you guys for a little while, you know, kind of digging into what you guys do in the special operations community in the Air Force. And I'm excited to see what got you into it and how you made it through because those pipelines are, they sound like they're a pain in the butt. So yeah, yeah, they are. And, and speaking of which, we'll kind of start at the end. I am still active duty. So I have to say, uh, anything I say today is just my my personal opinion and not representing the views of the DOD or the Air Force. Nice. No, the legalese out of the way. Now I can kind of okay. say what I want. Now you can have some fun. Right. So what got you what got you interested in the Air Force to start with? I mean, I was going nowhere, you know, and it was kind of like a family thing. My uh, my father had been in the Air Force. My older brother had just barely joined right before me. And, you know, my uncle had been in the Air Force. And, you know, you find yourself in a place where you don't want to go to college anymore. You get tired of working two jobs and you're not really going anywhere. So even though my, my, I'd grown up and my father, the whole time I was growing up was like, you're never going to enlist in the air force. I don't want you guys to do it. He didn't have the, the best of experiences. Sure. Um, but you know, I, I decided to, to pull the trigger and uh, you know, I, I haven't really looked back since it was, it's weird. It's, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Like now I'm, I'm 18 years in trying to look back and trying to encapsulate like the whole experience into a, a few talking points or, or yeah. why I did it back then. And um, really, I was just a kid going nowhere and I wanted some adventure and some other things. I, I thought about the Marine Corps, but, you know, the, the Texas Army pew at the, the recruiter's office, he, he sucked me <laughs> in. And got me. Yeah, that's awesome. So did you know going into it then, you know, OK, not going anywhere you know, Air Force, whatever family's done it. Was there something that you're like, okay, if I go the Air Force route, I absolutely need to do this tar this specific job? No, I'm, I didn't want to be a mechanic. For some reason, I, you know, my old man was like, hey, you scored pretty well on the ASVAB. You don't need to be a mechanic. So I'm like, cool. Uh, so I took the D-Lab and I was actually going to come in as a linguist, but that didn't work out. Um, I couldn't get a, a top secret clearance. Once I got to basic training, they were like, yeah, you're not going to get a top secret clearance. They looked into my stuff. And uh, that was that. So they gave me five options. And one of the options was weather. And I actually didn't know that any of the ground pounding special operations Air Force jobs existed at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of, I fell into it. Like people think it's like, sometimes I tell kids like, hey, I, I kind of backed into this job and I just kind of found it and it found me. And it was just like one of those things. But uh, I mean, that's what happened. I, I joined weather. And then I was in tech school and a bunch of dudes came by in, in berets and were like, hey, you want to jump out of planes and, you know, try to get yourself killed and all that other stuff. And I'm like, yes, yes, please. <laughs> and I don't know why, but yeah, I do. Yeah. So how does the, the, the selection process, I guess maybe a couple of questions. So I've looked in the Air Force, you know, kind of when I was in high school and coming out of school, how does the Air Force process work for, 
uh, I guess, A, getting in and then maybe finding a job? Because I know that you guys have several different tests to help you determine where you're going to go, right? Or do you get to choose and, and walk into weather, for instance? Well, so like there, there's been a lot of changes, you know, I've been in for a while. So the, the process now is wholly different than from when I came in. We all used to have our own ways of, of selecting our people, you know, uh, and, you know, between pararescue, TACP, combat control, and, and now SR, which used to be special operations weather. Uh, but now when you go in, uh, so to, to get in the door, you have to take the uh, a physical test, the past, you know, it's like a, a run, push-ups, pull-ups, and water work and that kind of stuff. Uh, but once you get in there, we send everybody through the same prep course. And then the pararescue SR guys and combat controllers all go through the same selection instead of doing it all separately. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that's what we do. Nice. So you are special reconnaissance, which yes. was the, uh, what do you say? The uh, spec, ops weather. spec ops weather. What, what does that mean for you? <laughs> it, it means it sounds really cool. What? So like being on this podcast, right? Like a Vanguard means like being on the front edge of something or whatever. So we're trying to get in front of that edge of conflict and, and provide all the uh, information that we need to secure air power against uh, anybody that we might come up against. You know, and then once things go kinetic, uh, there's a few things you do on that side as well. But information dominance, I think, uh, and, or knowing where everybody's at and, and staying ahead technologically and, and you know, tactically ahead of the, the um, competitors that are close to where we're at in those areas. Mm -hmm. That's what we're getting after right now. Okay. So that pipeline then for you to get involved into something like that, um, <clears throat> obviously there's a selection process. Uh, could you mind, or is there a way that you can share what that looks like and then what people need to think about in order to go down that route? So we're, we're going to send you through eight weeks of prep. So you, you pass your PT test before you come in and then we're going to send you through eight weeks of prep. So physically you should be there as long as you're a, a hard worker and you take everything to heart. And, and we used to have a lot of, um, you know, benchmarks physically that you had to hit throughout the selection process. And we still have some of those benchmarks, but we don't really advertise them. You know, like they're like go, no go events. But if you fail it, like if we have a ruck and we have a time that we're not telling you that is the cutoff time. If you fail it, we're not kicking you out of the course, but at the end of it, you're not going to get selected type sure. thing. You know what I mean? Um, so really it's, it's, you know, you're going to be cold. You're going to be wet. You're going to be hungry. And we want to see, you know, once we peel back those layers of, you know, who you project yourself to be when you're not all of those things, <laughs> we want to see who you really are underneath all of that and, and how far you're willing to go to, uh, you know, accomplish your mission of the day, which is what you're doing as part of your training. Okay. So that's a, that's a good point, right? So peeling back those layers and, and I can only imagine how horrible that type of situation can be. What are the types of mindsets that you found yourself in that have gotten you through those miserable situations? I mean, everybody has different ways of getting themselves through. Um, I, I know I, I have self-talk. I have pretty positive self-talk uh, or I get my ego involved. I have a pretty healthy ego. <laughs> so looking at the other people around me, I'll be like, hey, if this chucklehead can do this, I can do better this. Than you. <laughs> right. You know, like or, you know, you know, growing up, I was always told I'm not better than anybody else, but no one's better than me. Yeah. So it's like, well, I'll just attach myself, my ego to this person that's obviously going to make it. And then I'll just do what they do. Um, or, or, you know, you just, you, you get down to a certain extent and you're just too stubborn to quit. Like, I just don't care. I'm just going to make it. I, you know, like, I don't know. I'm not a quitter. Yeah. 
Did you ever so, find yourself wanting to quit at any point? Like it got so bad that, you know, even if it's not like a physical action of like, I am quitting so much as like mental, you're like, I'm so taxed that I'm done. I think everybody gets there. Yeah. You know, everybody going through the process is going to want to quit. Like that's the whole point of the process is I want to make you want to quit and then force you to find a way to not quit, <laughs> you know? So like, yeah, because it, it, it's easy. Like we make quitting so easy. It's like, hey, all you got to do is say the words. All you got to do is, is pop up out of the water, say I quit. All you got to do is stop training and we'll pull you from the course. And it's, you know, you, you got to find a reason to not do it. And, you know, a lot of those reasons are, are your, your friends that you've made on the team or your family back home or whatever it is. Whatever it takes to get through that moment uh, is the most important thing. You know, a lot of people talk about their why as like a singular thing that gets them through. And I think some people have a singular why. Um, I never really had that, you know, my brain bounces around like, I'm like, I'm a, kind of a chaotic person, <laughs> but, um, you know, what, whatever it takes to get you through that moment, you know, if, whether it's your teammates, whether it's, you know, telling yourself, I'm not allowed to quit till the end of today. And you get to the end of the, today and you don't want to quit. And then you wake up the next morning, you can barely walk and you're like, Hey, well, I can't quit to the end of the day. So let's just see what happens. Yeah. Um, being competitive with the cadre, you know, like, get that attitude where like, you want to, you want, you want me to quit? I'm not going to quit. You know, like screw that dude. You're not going to beat me, <laughs> you know, get competitive about it. So a lot of different strategies and, you know, I've kind of cycled through, I guess, all of those at, at certain times. Yeah. Yeah. Different tactics or different situations. Yeah. Just see what works. You know, you gotta, you gotta trick your brain into working for you. Yeah. Have you found like throughout talking with all of these, you know, these guys and coming through, uh, that they've got different resources that they're like, Hey, I learned this thing that I should go look at prior to making it or making it into the selection process. I, th I think you guys are probably one of a, one of the big resources. I mean, we, we are a resource over at uh, the whole ones ready thing. That's kind of why we exist. But um, I think one of the things that I try to get guys to do is, is go out there and, and do something difficult. You know, you need a reach back moment, you know, and, and the way I grew up, I was outside a lot and we did some stuff is I, I could be like, hey, well, if I could do that, I can do this type of thing. And I think one of the, the keys uh, to success in the pipeline is we make you do a PT test and everybody's like, what are, the, what are the standards and what's all this other stuff? But like one of the things about getting physically fit on your own when no one's standing over you screaming at you and, and, and telling you what to do is you, you start to develop those, those, those uh, habits in your head, in your own brain or making yourself do something that you don't want to do necessarily on that day and sure. then and then driving towards it and then starting to enjoy it on some days but even you know um so like the, the physical fitness component is important but i think the way that that um maps out your brain for you moving forward is is the most critical piece of that um it, it's not just the physicality it's it's doing something that you don't want to do absolutely don't want to do and then doing it anyway yeah, it's funny. I, as you say that, I've talked to several folks in various, you know, different various military and law enforcement communities. And it seems to be that seems that seems to be the one thing that everybody says is get used to being uncomfortable and pushing yourself. Right. Because that's that's where the most amount of growth happens. And then when things go really sideways, you know what it feels like and you're you're right there to run with the wolves. Right. You just increase your capacity for everything so that you can just keep going. Yeah. You know? Your, your capacity for suffering needs to be large. Pretty big. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when, when you make it through the selection process, kind of maybe talking about the job it, itself now, because jumping out of planes, shooting guns, I mean, is that all you guys do? Or I guess, because there's multiple special operations functions inside 
the uh, the Air Force. Right. So do you mind kind of sharing what each of them does and why each of them is is badass in their own right? <laughs> yeah, I will, we'll go alph- alphabetical so that no one feels left out or hurt. Um, so the the combat controllers, they, they set up uh, airfields and austere environments. So they go through air traffic control school, but like dive, air, you know, free fall, airborne, all that other stuff, same as everybody else. Um, so if you need to open up an airfield and land a plane in the middle of nowhere, let's say in Africa, for example, these guys can jump in, open up an airfield. They can actually jump out of the plane that's flying, set up the airfield, and then land that plane <laughs> at that place. Um, so to project air power into austere environments um, is it, kind of like one of the things they do. Uh, they do airfield surveys, and they also uh, one of the big things that they did throughout all of GWAT um, was the, the JTAC mission, where they're just calling in the airstrikes. Okay. So I think having that air traffic control background kind of lent straight into that so we needed um a lot of jtacs so that's what a lot of them did and they're they really good at it and then pararescue they're the uh i would say the premier rescue specialists in um in the dod uh, so if you're if you're stuck somewhere and there's no one else that can come get you if you're on the side of a mountain uh those guys they're they're really good with ropes and climbing and all that kind of stuff they can dive they can jump they can do everything so if uh if you're in a sticky situation and uh you know, you need to get out of it. Those are the guys. Um, you know, I don't want to say too many nice things about them because I already have pretty big egos. <laughs> <laughs> it so, you it know, sounds I'm, like it sounds like that'd be a pretty good, that'd be a, a worthy thing to have a big ego over. Yeah, I mean, but I, I, I give all the students a, a hard time about it when they're like, "Hey, I want to be a, a you know PJ," and I'm like, "Well, you got that, that hero complex, you know? Like, I'm going to go save the world." Um, so I try to give them a hard time. And I tell people I've never had my life saved by a PJ, but I have had a JTAC. I'm pretty sure saved my life, you know? <laughs> Killing the bad guys is saving my life. <laughs> anyway. And then there's the um, then there's SR. And like I said, we're, we're out there trying to, uh, to get ahead of it. Uh, so we do a lot of um, technology-driven stuff that we can't really talk about too much of it. Sure. Uh, but we, we get into the drones a lot. And then the, you know, the, the foundation of it is that classical reconnaissance, you know, reach out and touch somebody with a long rifle type of thing. Um, so we're just trying to make sure that we have all the information we need to, to maintain uh, dominance and open up an airhead if we need to in a uh, contested environment. And then there's the TACPs. And the, the TACPs, um, their whole job is to call in airstrikes for the big army, the conventional side, and on the soft side. So okay. that's it. That's the Air Force. That's a lot. Have you, have you found any way for, or I guess, how do uh, folks come in and decide? Cause like they all sound, they all sound like a ton of fun. I, I don't know. I, I, you know, like certain jobs speak to certain people. Like I said, we get a lot of kids that come in and want to rescue people. Um, you know, I'll hear things like, I don't, I don't want to take life. I want to save life. And I'm like, bro, you're not, I mean, we're all going to terrible places. Yeah. You, it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. You're not like that that dude that saved all the lives in World War II where medics didn't carry weapons. Like the PJs carry weapons and they do it all. Um, but I don't know whether you want to drop bombs or, or you just know somebody or you read some stories. It's whatever whatever speaks to the people, you know. And and I always tell them if, if the kids are having a hard time deciding, I don't think you can go wrong. Because at a certain level, if you stay in long enough and you keep working, we, we all kind of end up doing similar things in similar places. You know what I mean? I know I'm all working together. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, crosstalk. For sure. So you've been doing it for 18 years, you said. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like in this in this day and age, a lot of people, when they're looking for a career in a, in a track forward, right, a, a, it's to not be lost, right, but also to find some sort of sense of value in what they're doing. What, I guess, have you found, what, is, what has kept you doing it for 18 years that you're like, this is, this is why I'm here. This is why I love it. Uh, the, the people, you know, it's, uh, it's hard to explain, right? Like, I think uh, Younger talks about it in Tribe. It's you find your tribe. And um, I, I was lucky enough to, to find myself in this community and uh, the, the people that I'm surrounded with every day and the, the, the like-mindedness that I find with them uh, is what keeps me going. You know, and then I've spent a lot of time on the training side of the house um, in my career, and I like training people. You know, I like I like trying to unlock that that thing in their brain that, that makes it all make sense for them and makes them successful. Uh, I like being around the young guys; it helps me, you know, stay young, stay young, stay hip with the times, feel younger. Yeah, <laughs> keep my verbiage up to date and stuff. All the all the fun apps that are out there now. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. it's it's I, I'm. Yeah, I, I feel old. But um, all right. So maybe before we move on, is there anything that you're like, man, this is something that I've learned. These are things that people need to learn about coming into a pipeline. You know, maybe just sharing anything that, that comes to mind as far as like what people th- should think of about the Air Force. I mean, the, the Air Force in general, it's it's we, we were everywhere, but we're a small force. And so if you want to uh Numbers wise, I think one of the things that people don't understand is there's a ton of Green Berets out there. There's a fair number of Navy SEALs out there um, and they, they go to like all kinds of places. But like we are very specialized in what we do. So if you want to go to where, you know, the heat is on a regular basis, I think joining the Air Force is a great way to do it. And, and it's, it's not really advertised like that movie, uh, 12 Strong, mm-hmm. about the, um, yeah, they, they had an Air Force guy there. I know for like Hollywood, it, it would have been way more complicated to like try to explain like, Hey, there was also an Air Force guy yeah. with this ODA doing these things, and he's the one that was calling in the airstrikes. You know, like that just take, that would take 15 minutes, and people wouldn't understand. But uh, like, we're 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 uh, we go where the action is, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, without yeah. trying to make it sound like cooler than it is. But um, as cool as as cool as it is, <laughs> it has its moments. Um, and then, like, just advice for people coming in is, is you know. You, you don't have to be someone you're not. Just be who you are and shed all the crap in your life that's, uh, that's weighing you down because you're not going to make it through with, you know, additional stress that's unnecessary. You know what I mean? Like, we get a lot of people that come in with, you know, relationships and all this other crap and all these things that they worry about. And then they take the entire pipeline and they try to compress it into one day's worth of stress. You know, like, I don't know if I can do this for the next two years, man. It's like, well, all you got to worry about is today. That's yeah. it. Like, you know, like you have people telling you what to do, but from the outside looking in, they, they tend to, they don't see how easy it is to just do exactly what you're told every day mm-hmm. where you don't even have to think for yourself yet. And I, I'm not trying to downplay the, the difficulty of the pipeline, um, but you find out later, like, oh man, that was, those are good times. Those are my friends. And all we had to do was what the instructors told us to do. And when we were off, we were off, you know? Yeah. Not Wake up, anybody. be told what to, when to eat, what to eat, where to eat, what to dress, where to be, what to do. Yep. Yep. Okay. It's, it's pretty simple. Yeah. I like, I like that. That would, that would be nice. Now I like, I like that structure. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, all right, man. So you guys started ones ready. You, you started ones ready, right? Yeah. There, there were four of us. Okay. And the purpose of ones ready, do you mind just kind of sharing what you're all about, what it is and, and how people can use it as a resource? 
So, like I said, the the Air Force special operations side is small, especially on the ground pounder side. So there's a lot of information out there, um, but it's not always the most up to date or or accurate information. And um, and and sometimes people, like I said, I joined and I had no idea that these jobs existed, right? Um, so we're just trying to get the information out there and and encourage and you know uh, give good advice for these these folks that are interested in these jobs. So I mean that's it because like you look at the pipeline that and everything changes, right? Just like any company that's trying to get better uh, con, you know, continuously, you know, like or sports, right? You look at MMA, like it's always getting better and changing. So as the pipeline changes, we're trying to put out the updates. We're trying to make sure everybody knows exactly what's happening and, uh, and be as prepared as they can be to come in and, you know, replace us and, and make that next generation a little bit better than, than we were. Not too much because we have egos still. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, is there any other life lessons that you've learned along the way? You know, whether that's finding the motivation, making it through, maybe managing family through 18 years of service, anything like that that you're like, man, this is something that I never get asked that I think is hugely important. I think if, if I had to sum it all up, it's people, people are important, you know, and, and um, taking a risk to be nice or, or to put yourself in a position where you might get taken advantage of, um, it might be worth it because you never know when you're going to say goodbye to someone or, or see someone for the last time. And so to be um, the bigger person or to, to, to take time to, to talk to them or to, to just, you know, be open and honest about a few different things, um, that, that stuff's important because I think one thing you learn throughout the, uh, the career is, you know, life is, is pretty fragile. And the only thing like at the end of the day, all I can think of that is more important than, than everything else are the people and the relationships that you have. And you don't want to, at the end of your career, you don't want to regret, you know, saying something or being a certain way towards somebody and then, you know, never being able to, you know, rectify that later on down the road because they didn't come back. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. And, and I, and I feel that for myself. Right. So my wife works in, in law enforcement and every night she leaves, we've got like the three things that we say every night before she leaves. Cause it's like, you know, it's, I don't stress about it necessarily, but it's always weird. Cause it's like, Hey, like yesterday she had uh, like a DRE that she didn't get home till like eight o'clock in the morning, which is two hours later than she normally does. And I woke up and I was getting ready for work and I was like, she's not home yet. Like what the fuck? Like something is wrong. But it's, you know, it's like, yeah, sure, I have heart palpitations that morning, but it's like, we said the things that we needed to last night. And, you know, you kind of come to terms with it because life is fragile and you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. So, but yeah, she made it home. Fortunately, I remember when I, uh, when I was in high school, you know, I was looking at Green Beret and Air Force because I wanted to blow shit up. Like, that's, that's really what I wanted to do growing up. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, life took me a different route and. You know, I, I never blew anything up, unfortunately. So I will say too, one of, one of the things that we get sometimes is people, people don't feel like they can come out and say like, Hey, I want to get into the action. I want to blow stuff up. And I don't know if it's like a cultural thing now or whatever. Yeah. But it's like, I'll, I'll walk into the prep and I'll be like, Hey, how many people just want to shoot someone in the face? Like a bad guy. Yeah. And then, you know, like, no, I don't know, maybe yeah. I'm like, you all are liars. <laughs> I know that's why like that's what you're thinking about is saving the day shooting the bad guy and I don't think there's anything wrong with that 
Yeah, it comes across. It totally is. It comes across as a, a little psychotic. Right. Really. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, I think that there's definitely a stigma. I mean, you know, if anybody that's interested in guns anymore seems to be like, oh, bad news bears. But it's like, no, oh, not everybody that likes to shoot. It's a bad person. Yeah. It's, I mean, you, you can't paint any group of people with a single brush. Right. Right. Um, but I mean, if, if it, the one thing that you learn deploying and through all these other things, at least from my perspective, right, is the world is. Uh, it's it's fragile. Our our way of life is fragile, and there are people that want to take it away from you. And um, and whether you want to shoot somebody or you just want to uh, experience the highest level of competition that there is, like it's it's weird to talk about sometimes. But because uh, people will be like, "What's it like?" And you're like, "It's like winning a, a, like a one-on-one basketball game, like times eight hundred, you know." Yeah. Or, or winning a game that was really hard to like winning state in high school football and multiply that because they weren't trying to beat you at football. That other dude across the way was trying to shoot you and you, you won, yeah. you know, I'm still here. I won. Like that's, it's the competition. Yeah. That's, that's like the ultimate, that's like Sparta. And yeah. And you know, like you, you look at Hollywood and all those other things. Like, it's like, should I feel bad about it? And there's been a few movies where they talk about with the cops. Right. I, mm-hmm. I think uh, the departed, like, Oh, I'm supposed to feel bad after I shoot someone. And, uh, and Leo was like, no, all these dudes signed up to shoot somebody, yeah. you know, like, so, so like, you're like, Oh, I, I, there's this like rush and euphoria of, of getting through a, a certain situation and winning. And you're like, should I feel bad about this? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, I don't it- you almost have to put yourself in other people's shoes, right? I think you said it right. No, that other person signed up for it too. Like they know what they were getting themselves into. It's like martial arts, right? Like, okay, if I if I go hard with somebody rolling, it's like, okay, I know what I signed up for. So if I get hit in the face, it's like, I'm not going to be, you know, unless you're being a dick, right? It's like, I'm not going to be mad because like, I know what I know what I'm here for. It's the same thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and it, it can be it can be a lot of fun ish you know it's it's hard to explain without like you said sounding psychotic um but like you, you talk to the the greater civilian population and i think one of the reasons that um some of our people come across as as standoffish or or they might seem like they're too good to talk to people sometimes it's not i don't think i'm better than anybody else but if you have no frame of reference for what i'm talking about you're not going to understand what i'm saying you know and, and i don't want to seem you know, like, I don't want to be like at a dinner party with friends that aren't in the military or have no frame of reference and like kill the conversation by being like, yeah, this dude shot at me. I shot him first and it was amazing. <laughs> you know, like that's what I signed up to do. That's what I've been training all these years for is, is so that I came home and, and, you know, and it's not like I, I wanted to kill somebody, but I want to do my job. Yeah. And come home. Have you found uh, any ways to kind of shut that off? Like at dinner parties, for instance, to be I mean, since we're using the word psychotic, a little less psychotic. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a normal person. I got other things I can talk about, you know? And yeah. so it's, it's weird for a long time. My, my, my significant other, my wife would get upset at me because people would be like, what do you do in the air force? And I'd be like, I'm a weather guy, which wasn't a lie. Yeah. It's just a partial truth. It's a half truth. And so, and, and I'm, I, I know about weather, so I can talk about that if they want to. And she'd be like, no, he did you know, like, that's not just what you do. And I'm like, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole of capabilities and experiences and all those other things that they're going to want to know about. And then it's just going to get weird. 
Yeah. Um, so if, if people, you know, seem a little standoffish or weird about stuff, it's uh, maybe it's, it's for your own good or they just don't feel comfortable talking to you about it. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. That's fair. I've definitely come to sense that around some folks. It's like, Hey, I won't, I won't ask you about that. Cause you can, you can really pick up on when people are like, yeah, let's just move on from the conversation, go some other route. Like, okay, that's totally cool. Well, there's, there's other things to talk about. Like we had, uh, we had Terry Hewen on the ones ready podcast. And he's like, what are we talking about today? We're like, we're talking about training and like the, the differences between buds and the air force, you know, selection process. And he didn't bring up, like, I had no idea, honestly, that all the stuff that Terry had done in his career, and he didn't, like, bring it up. He didn't feel the need to be like, oh, also, I was on this ship, and we, you know, shwacked some pirates and some other stuff. Well, <laughs> um, there's, there's other things to talk about. So, um, I, I, you know, but even to other military folks, I think we come across as, you know, thinking we're better in a lot of ways. Um, but really, it's just we have different jobs. Yeah. you know, and everybody's tribal. Like when I went to the, the, you know, certain schools and there's, you know, SEALs and Navy EOD and my guys and a bunch of other groups, like we, we tend to group up with our own groups and think we're better than everybody else. And you know what I mean? Like we talk smack, but yeah, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. I'm just trying to say like, if, if people come across a standoffish, it's don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah. You probably don't want to know what they, they <laughs> or you do so you can be jealous well, <laughs> or scared of them. Yeah. And that's, that's yeah. <clears throat> I don't, I don't want people to be scared of me or anything like that. It's, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're, you're a deadly dude, but you're, uh, you're super friendly. So I try to be, <laughs> we, we, it's funny. Cause we, we have people, uh, you know, like I work staff now and when I was working at the, the group here on, on staff, we had someone be like, I can't believe how like nice all you guys are. And it's like, I don't know what you expected us to, you know, like I think Hollywood has poisoned everybody's minds about, you know, you're supposed to deploy you're supposed to get into combat and when you come home, you're supposed to have PTSD and beat your wife and shoot your dog and drink heavily and all these other stupid things and go down this rabbit hole of depression. I'm not saying those, those aren't serious problems that happen sometimes. What I'm saying is most of the guys that I know come home, love their families, do the best to move on with their lives and, and appreciate the experiences and the people that they've had, you know, that's, you know, and, and, and if you're a truly capable person, there's no reason to be a dick. Yeah. You know, there's, it's just not there. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, not everybody comes back messed up, right? Some people, some people thrive in those chaotic environments. Some people obviously struggle with it. Some people like the stability and the, the value and the meaning that they can find in it. So. I, and I will say, I don't, I don't know if there's other things you want to talk about, but like for me, my first deployment was a very before and after thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and going through some of the things that happened, I was able to, to be a more open person. You know, like I said, like you never know what's going to happen. And so like you go through some of those experiences and, and you, you do some introspection and realize, Hey, I'm, I'm being a little selfish. I'm not being open to these experiences. Like I'm setting myself up for a, a lonely life or whatever, but like the way it changed me had, had an incredibly positive effect on my life. You know, like I, I don't, I wouldn't have gotten married. I don't think, you know what I mean? Like I wasn't open to like all these other things because I, I was so closed off. And then you go through those things and you're like, Hey, like I, I need to, I need to live life. I need yeah. to experience these things uh, because it's fragile. So yeah, I, I think if you get some, some perspective on it and it's not like, it's not hard coming home sometimes and dealing with those things and you, and you know, like I'm not saying it's easy, but it can be an incredibly positive thing. 
Yeah. Um, so when you say closed off, do you mean like not willing to, I guess, go try something new or like, you're like I have one job, one track mind doing a specific thing. Yeah. Like I was, I was, I was goal oriented, but I was also, also um, like, I wouldn't let people in, you know, like I was very, I had like, I don't know. I don't want to say I had walls up, but uh, you know, I, I don't let people in to, to mess with my emotions, which, which worked very well for the early part of my career. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause you, you mess with me. It doesn't matter. I don't, I don't care. I don't value your opinion, but when you lose people and, and you get to know them and uh, I had a, I had a buddy that, that didn't come home and, you know, like I'd spoken to his wife, his wife was pregnant when he died and all these other things. Um, I don't know. It just changed me. And I, I was willing to, to open up myself to, to new experiences. And, you know, now I'm married and have two kids and I think about my buddy all the, all the time. Um, and, and it's sad that he's gone, but, you know, without, without his example and, and, and what happened without his sacrifice and everything else like that, um, I don't think I would have opened myself up. Yeah. I feel that, like, cool. Sorry. Is that weird? I don't know. Does that sound no, weird? No, no, it doesn't sound weird at all. And, and it's, I think it's an important thing, right? Because I know that a lot of, you know, males in general have a very hard time opening up. Right. And I think that it's a, it's an important thing to be aware of and, you know, relatively skilled at. So is that, how did you, how were you able to open up in a way that like you felt comfortable with and were able to kind of move forward on? Because that's, I, I feel like that's something that a lot of people lack is a direction on how to improve their self-awareness i suppose i mean i i mean it was weird coming home um but like it was after my first deployment i came back and like i automatically had like a reputation in my community right and people wanted to talk about the stuff that i've done and it became really apparent to me quickly that that stuff was not as important as you know other things i don't know because everyone wants to talk about you know hey you're like you, you, you schwack these guys or whatever you made it through that like as that that was like the the defining moment of that deployment but that wasn't the defining moment of the deployment for me mm-hmm. the defining moment of the deployment was um making friends losing friends and and seeing that there's a lot more to life and so i think when i came home i just had to reassess my priorities um i'm not trying to go out there and and just you know do my job there's there's a lot more to life and you know my buddy was really good at his job and still had a life and uh and i i, I don't know uh, and so like, it was just a weird thing. Then I'm, I'm, I'm at my wife and, uh, instead of like keeping her at distance, I saw what I wanted and I was, you know, like I, I never like told girls, I loved them early on in my relationships. And like two weeks in, I'm like, I love you. Like <laughs> this is happening. She's like, well, you, you, you're crazy. She's like, yeah. She's, <laughs> you know, and it's not like I'm an emotional person. Like, you know, she's still waiting to see me cry someday. Um, but you know, like I, I, I want to let all those experiences happen instead of uh, just trying to be like a, a, a robot, you know, and that's just me. Um, but like, it's, it's, I've found a lot of fulfillment through opening myself up for that. And it, it does take its toll on the career, you know, having a wife sure. and kids and all that other stuff. Uh, there's, uh, there's other things that I wasn't able to do, but you know, I just uh, reassessed my priorities and, and found what I wanted. Yeah. Did you have, when you reassess your priorities, right? So obviously you've got these experiences, you know, that kind of shaped that when you sat down to reassess, was that like a one-time thing or was that like, as you continued working through life, you're like, this is what's more or less important. Yeah. I mean, I think it was, you just go through your stages of grief and then you, you know, you look at stuff, right. So 
it's not like I found out about my buddy and I was, you know, um, everything changed. You know, I, I freaked out a little bit and I got upset and mad and angry and guilty. You know, that I, I should have been there when it happened and I wasn't there um, and, and all that other stuff. But yeah, then it's just like, I don't know. Was, I, I need to experience life like for him. You know what I mean? Like, well, I, I can't just go through the rest of my life just by myself and 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 not at least try these other things. Uh, but yeah, it took a little bit. And, and it's not like it's not like when I you know, started opening up to my wife. I was like an open book, you know, it, it took, it took some time. <laughs> Little pieces. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then we talked about it, marrying the people that we married. I think they're, they're good diggers. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and, and getting comfortable with honesty and, and, and just, you know, and there's more than just being honest. There's like being open and honest, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. actually sharing it's a, it's, it's tough and it's a struggle and it's still a struggle today. You know, like it's not my natural way of being, it's just to be, open and honest with people you know like telling the story is weird because we're on yeah. a podcast and i didn't tell the story for a long time yeah yeah well thank you um did you ever feel and this is something i kind of like to like to ask because people experience life differently obviously right did you ever feel lost through any of your experiences where you're like i don't i don't know what happens next i think there's a there's a point that you come to where um after i'd accomplished everything i set out to accomplish I felt a little lost. I think one of the things about uh, starting ones ready was, you know, I'd, uh, I'd done the deployments, I'd done the training side of the house. And then I kind of graduated to this like staff level, you know, I'm not interacting with people as much and doing all these other things. It's like, I miss, I miss the the interaction. And that, that's when I felt lost is, is after I'd accomplished everything. So um, what, what do I have left to offer and, and how do I get that interaction back? And how do I get after the things that I'm good at now, um, which are a little bit different than the things I was good at when I was younger. So I think one's ready, you know, doing this type of stuff has helped give me a little more direction, uh, you know, because I'm not deploying anymore or, you know, at least even if I deploy tomorrow, like I'm an E8, I'm not I'm not going to the FOB with the guys. I'm not, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So uh, I just have to find another 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 way to be useful. Okay. And, so uh, for you, I, I did go through a few months of like not feeling very useful. You yeah, know? yeah, that's fair. So when you sat down to to find your use and value, then was it like, hey, I'm good at these five things. I suck at these two or three, and I love to share knowledge. So one's ready's it. That's that's where I want to go. Yeah, I mean, yeah, kind of. I mean, it, it, there's there's always this like build up to everything, right? Um, one of my buddies, we we shot an Air Force commercial a while back. If, if I look back for, for pictures from my deployments, there's almost zero pictures of me, you know, like I'm just not, I'm not the in front of the camera guy or I wasn't, it's weird to say now because I'm on in front of the camera all the time now. Um, but my buddy got me into a, an air force commercial cause I was the only gray hat that was there. He's like, Trent, you gotta do it. I'm like, fine. And you know, it was, it was an experience. And then a few other things happened and then the marketing people got a hold of me. And they're, you know, we're going to do Facebook live or Instagram live. And we need a gray hat to go in there and answer questions and be on camera and you get more comfortable with it. And uh, I spent a lot of time in the training environment. So I, I have answers to a lot of these questions that these kids have, um, you know, so that started to give me a, a direction to go. Uh, I'm not a good planner. You know, I'm not, I don't, I don't make lists very well. Like all these things, like you're the questions you're asking. I'm just like, I see an opportunity and I take it and it's what I want to do, then I'm going to do it. 
Yeah, that's cool. I that's funny. You're the only guy here, so you're up. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it is what it is. And uh, being forced in that situation at first, and then you know, being like, I can do this. So why not just do it? It's not the worst thing. Man, I was super stoked to talk with Trent. He's a stud, extremely well-spoken, has done some crazy cool things, and uh, I appreciate his time, knowledge, and, uh, you know, I feel like uh, I learned a few things from him, and I hope you all did as well, particularly around the special operations world in the Air Force, and uh, came away with a few other tidbits about being open to new experiences, fulfilling your priorities, and getting after whatever it is you want out of life. Uh, his information is going to be linked in the episode description uh, to the Ones Ready website, Instagram, as well as Trent's special reconnaissance page. Uh, linked in the episode description as well is the Vanguard website and Instagram, uh, where you can pick up some sweet swag and see what life is like beyond the mic. Uh, I would love to see you out there representing the cause and uh, keeping me informed of the shenanigans you're getting yourself into. Otherwise, don't forget to look at Mountain Primal Meat Company and use code VANGUARD for 15% off your first order. Uh, I just finished making some steak uh, for lunch at the time of this recording. Yes, I had steak for lunch because it is that damn delicious. Uh, their meat is 100% natural, raised in Colorado, Highland Cow Beef. Not to mention the company itself stands for some pure, hardcore, red-blooded American values. Who doesn't want to support that? So please take a look at their website, use code 15 or Vanguard for 15% off your first order. And uh, beyond that, y'all have a kick-ass day and we'll catch you next time. Yeah.